Welcome, 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 listeners. This is episode number 13 of the Fret Talk podcast. You are here with your host, Budget Pedal Chap, and you are joined by uh, our uh, long-time, long-time contributor and co-host, uh, Paul. Hello, Hello Paul. You all right, Paul? Yeah, not so bad, you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely knackered, to be honest, but show must go on. Oh, yeah. As they say. So, uh, our week in guitar, you've been, you've been doing some practice this week, haven't you? Yeah. Um, it's about all I seem to be doing at the minute, because every time I sort of start trying to gear myself up towards the gig, I, my sort of health takes a U-turn and goes downhill again. Oh. So, um, I've, I've ended up with a, a bit of an infection this uh, last week or so. Mm. I've been absolutely drained. I've been... Trying to sort of, there's um, there's a few gigs um in the next month, or so I've been yeah. trying to get myself up for one of them. But like I say, I've got an infection; it's absolutely floored me. Um, the joys of having no kidney. Um, but yeah, I've still been maintaining my practice on the on the old uh, banjo. Sorry, the guitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I must say, uh. Previous weeks, uh, prior to this one, I haven't I haven't been able to pick up the guitar for too much. Uh, this week, uh, I had a couple of um, couple of blasts on on a few of my guitars, um, and it it's brought up some uh, some issues that I've been having, like tuning wise with some guitars. I've uh, I've, I've realised that it's all it's all down to intonation. Um, I've I've got a. Uh, I've got a strap bridge, which all of the saddles are pretty much in line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never the right idea. No, uh, and the the Ibanez fireman that I keep having problems with. I, I noticed that the um, the lowest string um, sounded worse the higher up uh, I got on the fretboard. So it's it's intonation issues. Um, so. This is kind of a public service warning to all of you, uh, all of you fretters out there. Just check your intonation. Just make sure uh, it's bang on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm having some tuning issues, my showmaster actually, but that's because I've not changed the strings in. Um, I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. they're ancient. Yeah, you do. They're, uh, they're that. They're that knackered. I tune it, and half an hour later, it's it's out of tune again. I'm just yeah. waiting for one of them to snap. Yeah, yeah, it's that uh, you you're almost waiting for it to snap so that you were uh, your your hands forced on it, aren't you? Yeah, you, you sort of have to buy a new set of strings. Yeah, I, I've I've got um I bought a like a, a supply of strings, uh, so I've I've always got about like four or five sets handy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean. Dead strings is always uh, always a problem for tuning as well, but I definitely know um, it's yeah. it's got to be intonation in this case because I've changed. I, I mean, out of all my guitars, I've probably I've only missed maybe two, two out, and then the rest I've I've changed recently. Yeah. So yeah, intonation, guys. It's a it's a it's a real problem in our uh, in our community. Make sure you've got it bang on. Right, so uh, rather than me moaning about my intonation on my guitars, um, let's see what's uh, let's see what's been going on in the world of guitar this week. So we're going to do our news. Um, first thing that I um, I'm going to bring up, I actually uh, saw today. Um, PRS are bringing out um, some new uh, some new model uh, SEs. They uh, they're pretty much standard spec custom twenty fours as far as I can see. Um, however, they have got maple fretboards, um, and this is the the first time we've seen maple fretboards on uh, on the SE range, I believe. Um, the the CEs were the the ones that were um, famed for having the the maple boards, and then you have some some of the higher up ones as well. Uh, have you seen seen these yet, Paul? Um, uh, briefly. Yeah. Um, I didn't. 
really get to see too much on the uh, the spec of them. Um, I just sort of looked at them, and because I'm not used to seeing PRSs with a, a maple board, I just sort of looked at them and went, "Eh." <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like a Les Paul with a maple fretboard. It just doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah, I th- we had that discussion earlier on this week, didn't we? Someone um, someone showed a picture of uh, one of the Zach Wild. Um, it was the camo, weren't it? The camo bullseye with the maple yeah, board. Yeah, I, um, I can't remember who it was now. Yeah, I, it, it. I mean, it escapes me as well, but it's. Um, it's a, a maple board on on a um, on a Les Paul, and and Matt was uh, was really um, really adamantly against the the maple board, I, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think it might have been Matt that shared it. Yeah, um, um, yeah, it could have been. But having said that, Carl has actually got a Les Paul with a maple. He has, board, yeah. So he he was a bit sort of in its corner. Yeah, I mean. It, it's something different, isn't it? And I think that's what um, that's what drew me to this uh, this piece of news is that yeah. it's it's an unusual look for the the PRS shape. Um, it is. I mean, with with it being an an unusual choice of wood for them to use for the fretboard, and the same goes for the yeah the Les Paul as well. Yeah, it everything sort of make makes me look at it and think. Looks like a knockoff copy. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like the real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I must but, admit. It's, uh, before we started, we were talking about the, uh, the pricing of it as well, and you yeah. were telling me like the, the standard one with the rosewood fretboards, seven hundred and thirty. Yeah. Whereas the the maple fretboards are coming in at eight hundred quid, and at that sort of price range, seventy quid is what is it about ten percent? Not even that. Yeah, but I still, I would still look at that and go, but why is it seventy quid dearer when you've got so many other guitars that have got both rosewood and maple in the same range, and they cost exactly yeah, the same. There's no cost difference. Um, yeah, I think it's that. So I don't understand PRS's logic in in the seventy quid price hike just to get a maple board. Yeah, it's, I think they're they're pricing exclusivity on that, aren't they? Because it's it's something that you don't see uh, very often with the uh, with with the custom twenty fours in general. Um, yeah. Just to kind of put it in context, the um, I, I did a little bit of research, and the the exotic wood um, finish um, SEs are coming in at the same price. They're coming in at seven nine nine as well. Um, so there's an argument, kind of. Yeah, if you maple, if you go, maple's not exactly an exotic wood, is it? <laughs> not really, no. Yeah, if you're going for if you're going for one of the two, you're probably going to go for the the exotic wood over these um these maple boards. Yeah, that price point. Yeah, but they had um this uh six six finishes that I saw. Uh, so we got like a, a lighter sunburst, a darker sunburst. I I didn't I didn't look at the um the PRS uh like colour colour names for them because I just Yeah. <laughs> um so we got we got like yeah, a lot down with all the different yeah. colour names. Different yeah, batteries like have got tequila burst and all this no. Uh, no it's like a light a lighter sunburst, a darker sunburst. We've got like a um a, an almost kind of light light powdery blue. Not quite uh not quite a pastel but it's 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 a light blue. Uh, yeah. There's like a, a a rich purple, um, burst, um, a grey top and a um and a cherry as well, um, and and like you were saying, uh, some of them just look a bit wrong, um, but the uh the light blue and the and the maple look look really nice together. I, I find. Um, I can imagine that probably would look quite well. Um, I think like the the cherry and the the purple would probably. I would imagine they would they would more suit the the rosewood boards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, as far as the I thing remember... with sunburst is it can sort of it it can go with either. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I. I... 
the I don't think the the uh, the shape with the sunburst looked too well. Not for my uh, not for my opinion anyway. But I don't know. We might be uh, we might be seeing a bit more um, maple used um, with PRS, and and it might be due to these um, sites uh, restrictions on on rosewood that they're starting to branch out a little bit more as well. Most probably it will be. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's uh it's something of note anyway. Um, yeah. And I I, I mean it, it piqued my interest. Am I gonna go out and buy one? Mm, <laughs> probably not. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's interesting. Um. So I think I think we'll leave uh, leave the PRSs there for uh, for this week. Um. There's been a rather exciting um, release from from a, a quite large pedal company. If you want to tell us some more about that, Paul. Yeah, the uh, TC Quintessence. Um, obviously, TC have been around a while, and they do release some really good pedals, and the Quintessence is no exception. Um, basically, what you're looking at is a harmonizer. But, unlike most harmonizers, the sort of single voiced where you play the main melody and then the pedal harmonizes whatever a fourth or whatever or yeah it does it does one single um, voice above it or or below yeah well it, the the quintessence can actually do um uh triple layer harmonies oh can it so you play you play one line yeah and the quintessence will harmonize so like a third above, and then another third above that if you want it to. Yeah. So it's um it's 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 great for like you were saying before we started. It's it's great for those sort of um, Brian May type harmonies. Yeah, definitely. Where it's got like three or four different guitar sounds all at once. It's also got an arpeggio feature. Oh wow! Where it 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 places a delay between each of the harmonized notes. So you play the, the say, the root note, yeah. and then it will automatically play the uh, a, triad arp, a triad arpeggio for you. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah, it's almost like a smart sure. harmony now, isn't it? Rather than just um, aimlessly duplicating your, your tone a third above. Well, like I say, I mean, if you if you play the the root note, it'll it'll play the third and fifth or third and seventh or whatever you want it to do. Yeah. Um. Plus, with TC's tone print, um, flexibility through your, uh, your computer yeah. or even your phone, it allows so many options. Um. The other good feature with it is the the mash technology that goes into the foot switching. Yeah, this is the uh, the new one that's just been featured on the uh, the Hall of Fame and the uh, oh, what's it called, the Flashback. Mm. So they're bringing that one into yeah. this new one as well. Yeah, I mean the good thing with it with the uh, the mash system is, especially in the quintessence, it's it turns a single stomp box. DPDT switch into a multifunction switch, so you can have it latching as per a standard um, pedal's DPDT switch, or you can have it as a momentary switch. Yeah. Whereby, if you, if you sort of stand on it, it works. If you release it, it stops working again. That's a, that's a really clever feature for um, for a harmonizer pedal. Those. Yeah. Even even. Cleverer still, I hate using that word, but there's no <laughs> other word for it. Um, is the fact that not only, like, if you have it as non latching, yeah, not only is it a momentary switch, but it's also pressure sensitive, yeah. So, so you can kind of you, swell those harmonies in, yeah. So, if you, if you want to add a single harmonized note and bend it to the next step in the scale you can do that with with the foot switch while you hold a, a single 
sustained note on your guitar. So it's, it's a really interesting feature. I mean, you likened it to a almost a B-bender. Yeah, yeah. Um, DC's release on it said that it, it's almost like a lap steel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was... Um... I was watching the um the the press release on it the uh, the the video that TC released this week, mm. um and it kind of got my my imagination sparked, um through uh, like thinking about the limitations that harmonizers and pedals have had in the past, um because yeah. I mean I I fully put my hands up and admit the harmonizers that I've used have not necessarily been the um the most expensive ones but um. I mean, the two kind of downfalls is that that they they're stupid, <laughs> they blindly follow what you're programming, <laughs> and and that's it. Uh, so it will it will play a, like a third, and it will play like it will it will play a perfect third above, um, of what you're playing. So it will follow a scale. Um, yeah. But guitarists don't just follow thirds. They'll play. I mean, when you get to um, certain notes, to avoid getting the the um, the triggering of like a diminished chord, then you might jump up to a fourth, or you might do like counter melodies and 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 whatnot. So, from the sounds of it, this uh, this TC pedal, this quintessence, um, might have scope for a much... yeah. I mean, come, coming back to what you were saying about how a a harmonizer normally follows. Yeah. You sort of take into account the tracking on it as well. Mm. Um I mean you if you take the old um the bo- oh, I can't remember which one it was. The old um sort of yellowish boss harmonizer. Or was it a blue one? No, it, yeah it was blue. It look it looks really similar to the yeah. um the, the compressors for some reason. But yeah. Yeah. The original one, it was just a case of you you set it and you switch it on and off. And you get a harmonised third or a harmonised fourth, and that was it. Yeah. They did try and re-release it in the, I think it was the late 90s, and they tried to add a diatonic feature to it. Yeah. So it would actually, rather than just playing a fourth above, it would actually try and sort of listen to the scale. Yeah. And snap to the next correct interval. Yeah. But... The tracking on it was absolutely garbage. If you <laughs> bent a note, yeah. it'd try and follow it, but you could hear it sort of getting confused between whether it should just be playing that fourth above or yeah. whether it should be going to the next interval point. So if, if you sort of did a semitone bend, you'd yeah. hear it flickering between the yeah. two. Yeah, having that kind of glitchy feel to it. Yeah, whereas the quintessence doesn't seem to suffer that. And like mm. I say, being able to do that with two-point harmonisation to, to whatever you're playing as well, it's it's a far cry from anything that we've really seen so far. Yeah, it's. I mean, it might it might bring harmoniser pedals into into kind of the the next stage in guitar because yes. I, I know that people have always been um, been interested in getting those those harmonies without having to. Um, employ other guitarists essentially or use backing tracks um yeah but the, the, the only te- thing the i've technology... ever used a harmonizer for um and i've never actually had the will to actually go out and buy a harmonizer so i've always used the one that's come ready loaded on any multi-effects that i've been using yeah, yeah. and the only one i've ever really used is the octave yes yeah but it's the only reliable after... one isn't it yeah <laughs> or an octave up or whichever. Yeah. Um, but listen to the the examples that I've, I've seen for the, the quintessence. I would actually be tempted to go out and, and buy one and have a mess about with it, see what I can come up with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and at 100, um, what is it, just short of 150 quid? Yeah, I've, I've got It's not breaking the bank at all for, the, for what you're getting. Yeah, yeah, it's um. I mean, it's you could it's, almost it's put it in the budget range for for what's actually contained within it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't think there's anything else out on the market that that quite boasts the features. No. 
Uh, so nothing that I've come across. Yeah, and I mean, like you've mentioned, the the tone print technology. Um, so far as I've I've heard it, you can you can use that tone print technology to input um, scales that aren't necessarily diatonic that the um, that the notes will follow. Um, so you could use some really um, really interesting harmony choices. Um, yeah, and then. I bet Steve I could find a use for it because his <laughs> favourite scale is the Lydian with a flat seventh. Interesting. Interesting. So I bet Steve I could find a use <laughs> for that one. <laughs> yeah. That's um I have used the uh, the Lydian flat seven before and it's it's um it's very <laughs> interesting as far as scales go. It's difficult to it's <laughs> difficult to implement. But it's it is interesting, and if the uh, if the harmonizer pedal can deal with that, I don't think there's much else that it um it would struggle with. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, at, at the at the um at the bare basics, what are we saying? Are we giving it a yay? Are we giving it an A? I'm giving it a yay. Um, I mean, and until I try, I can't I can't give a. A definite, but I'm I'm very excited, so I'm going to give it a yay as well. I definitely, yeah. I mean, I'll it's definitely be going to give a pedal a yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and talking talking of pedals, we're going to move on to our uh, to our final news topic today. Um, oh no, it's not. Sorry, we've got we've got more. <laughs> I was going to say, you My, it was a bit short there. Right? <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> like I say, it's it's. It's not necessarily late at the moment, but it's it's late for me because I, I woke up very early this morning. So please do um, just just go easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know me better than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the on the wrong wrong podcast with the wrong guy, aren't I? To, <laughs> to ask that. <laughs> He's shown if you want a weakness. To go easy on you, then yes, <laughs> you are on the wrong podcast. Um, so uh, moving on to our next uh, next pedal. Um, so, uh, Mad Professor, the the guys who've made various beautiful, uh, beautiful pedals, uh, they've come up with a, um, a variation on their, I think it's called the, the Deep Blue, their delay. Right. And they've, they've now made a, a, a dual version, a, like a, a dual, dual pedal version. Um, so some of the features that, that, um, that pedal boasts, it's got, Essentially, two two built-in delays. It's got a short delay and a long delay. Uh, the short delay is up to three hundred and fifteen milliseconds, which, to be honest, means nothing to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's kind of roughly around what the um, the old analog um, bucket brigade pedals used to do. So, like the 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 BD uh, Boss BD two and and stuff of the like. Um, and then we've got uh the the long delay is 810 milliseconds which is quite long in terms of delay times um i think the uh, as, I love as the technicality of it it's quite long <laughs> yeah it's not quite it's not quite long but it's quite long so <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's just past um the cuz the when they um, cascaded the two bucket brigades, it it come up to something like six fifty uh, milliseconds. Um, right. So I mean, it's it's going beyond what you'd usually find in a uh, in an analog style delay. Um. So I mean, there's 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 loads of features, and it, I'm I'm kind of struggling to try and try and fit them all in, but so. The long delay has got a uh, a tap tempo feature in it. Um, the the short delay doesn't actually have that. Um, it's got a tone control um, per delay as well, so you can dial in uh, the 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 darkness of your repeats, uh, so you can get them to um, to have that kind of slap back brightness, or you you can have the analog um, really getting out of the way. Um, by by dialing that tone back. There's also a feature where it's got um, 
it's got a uh, tape like like you're saying the Watkins copycat um tape style multi head uh function which um they're taping it as the um the the pink floyd sound and if you listen to the product demos um it it's giving that kind of that 70s inspired delay delay tone where you get those uh maybe like four or five repeats coming back and uh with different degradation as well um so talking about the price on this uh this thing it's coming in at about 299 so what are your thoughts on this um this dual blue delay by the by Mad Professor Paul. Right. Bearing in mind the price. Yeah. So we... is what do you say two nine nine? Yeah. Last week we were discussing the Ooh. mirror ocean machine. Oh yeah, of course we were. Yeah. Um. Now considering the features of the ocean machine, and it's two hundred and fifty quid. Do you see um, do you see this pedal as actually being a contender to the ocean machine? Um, I mean, I, I didn't even consider it, consider it um, as a contender of the ocean machine. I mean, I was um, the first thing that sprung to mind when I, I saw this was the uh, the carbon copy deluxe, the new two button version. Um. Well, the one that Ollie's always going on about. Yeah, that's that's the one. Um, <laughs> and and if you compare if you compare those two, I mean they've they've got a different set of um of kind of functions um that that make those two pedals unique. So I mean, thinking about the market, um, there's definitely going to be. Um, people who are more geared towards the the MXR and people who who find more interest in the uh, in the Mad Professor. Um, but if you compare it to the Ocean Machine, the Ocean Machine, <laughs> it's got what was it, eighteen different types of delay or something, something like that. Um, oh, I seem to have lost your voice, Paul. machine it had two individual um simultaneous settings each with 15 voices okay it was the um it was the reverb on that pedal it had um nine different types of reverb <laughs> so i mean you you you're getting an additional reverb on top of the uh, on top of the delays there, so I mean that's yeah. I mean, it, where I think the the Mad Professor might have the edge mm. is it's it is emulating the old analog sound, whereas the uh, the the Ocean Machine does seem to be more geared towards the, the the digital side of things. Yeah. So I think people will maybe veer towards the uh, the the Mad Professor for the old analog style stuff. Especially with it being able to do the uh, the multi head tape effect. Yeah. For me, personally, I have no preference between digital and analog. Yeah. As long as I've got a tap tempo, then I'm happy. If I was going for something with the most amount of usable functions, mm. then I would probably be veering more towards the ocean machine. Yeah. Especially in terms of the price of it. I mean, for my own use, um, I, I, the way I tend to use delay, um, I use it as a kind of ambience tool, um, very subtle, very background, um, and I very, uh, very rarely use it um, outside of a lead um, context. Um, so the Mad Professor kind of ticks the boxes for me on that with the the long and the short and the, the um the long delay as well is apparently voiced 
um, to fit in with with lead playing quite well. Um, right. To be fair, that is mainly what I use in the way for. So. So and yeah. Maybe, mm, um, oh, I'd, I'd probably go for something a lot cheaper <laughs> in the first place, and just a simple delay will do, mate. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so if we if we were um, if we were saying uh, full on. Would would you uh would you be interested in this if it if it came into a shop? Well, you not necessarily. Would you be buying it? Because I mean, we know that I'm the on the the budget pedal chap, and two hundred and ninety nine pounds is a darn sight over my uh my limit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not exactly budget. Um, but would, I don't know if I had a use for the features, then yes, I would go for it. Yeah, I think um for me the features, especially for the like say the analog, the sort of analog quality of it, it it does have something that. Digital doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for for me, and it, it's it's tying in with that kind of that thought process that it's it's designed to not necessarily be in your face. It's designed to get out of your way a bit more. Um, yeah. That appeals to me quite a lot, um, and the functions that it does boast, the the um, the sounds of the seventies essentially, um, are. Tones that I'd want to replicate as well. So, I mean, if it's in a shop, I might try it. Um, I'm not promising anyone a sale there, though. Yeah, same here. Uh, so you've um you've happened upon a um an interesting guitar company this week, haven't you, Paul? Um. Well, to say this week would be slightly wrong. I've happened across something that they're planning for 2018 this week. Yeah. I've actually been following them for about two years. Okay. And they are what you would call a new, in inverted commas, guitar company. They actually started in 2012. Yeah. And they're not very well known over here. Um, That's if they're known at all, because I don't know many people. Well, certainly we've never discussed them in the Fret Talk group, so I don't know how... Widely, they are known. Uh, the company is called Legator. Yeah. Oh. Um, and it took me ages to find out how to even pronounce the name because it could have been Legator, Legator. Um, one of the reviewers I, I was watching um, couldn't figure it out. He ended up calling it the Legolas. <laughs> I mean, that, that's an even <laughs> trying um, to be right, isn't it? <laughs> but, yeah. The, um, at the moment, they've got, um, I think it's Four, four standard models. Okay. Um, the ye- one of them seems to well, one of the ranges that they had seems to have gone out of um, production, which was the Helio, and that was their take on the the sort of the single cut Les Paul style. Okay. But the ones that they've still got are the Opus, which is shaped like a, a Telecaster. I'm listening. Um, <laughs> You might not be when I actually explain a little bit more about them, but we'll go through the shapes first. Go on. Um, you've got the Ninja, which is, if you're familiar with the um, ESP Horizon guitars, where it's sort of a strat shape with a carved top, yeah. then you're in the right ballpark. Yeah, kind um, of you've, semi-super strat-ish. But... Yeah, yeah, very much the super strat sort of thing. Um, it's... It, some of the ranges in the Ninja actually sort of almost look across between the um, ESP Horizon and the Ibanez S series. Oh, I have a, a, a deep loathing for the S series. Um, I love, I absolutely love Ibanez guitars um, for the most part. Um, I'm very hit and miss I, on the S series. Yeah, I own probably. I there's think, there's I think things I, I like about it, but there's things that I really don't like. No, the body the bodies are just too thin for me. The necks are the necks are even thinner than the wizard necks, and I can't abide by that at all. Um, yeah. And the only thing that I do like actually is the the trem systems they usually put on them. They they oh, uh, yeah, systems. They, they put no they put the um the zero point trem systems which boast um strings staying in tune after breakage. 
Which is unheard of um, on a floating system. That's the one that is on the Geosastriani model as well, isn't it? Oh, I couldn't say. I, I just I, I know I know a lot about the um, the zero point tram system because in my late teenage uh, years I was a giant nerd. <laughs> I can't say much. Um, <laughs> yeah, going back to um, going back to the Legators, um, the other two models in their range is a cross between the Opus and the Ninja. So it actually looks more like a classic Strat. Okay, cool. Um, except they all come with a humbucker in the bridge. Nice. And finally, you've got the Ghost, which is the sort of obligatory um, modern manufacturer's headless guitar. Yeah, yeah. With the cutaway at the, at the arse end of the body for the, uh, the, the tuners on the bridge. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, We've all seen those, yeah. actually seen of their stuff... Their demos, or anybody who demos them, you know what, it is absolutely leading impossible to find anybody that does a middle-of-the-road rock track <laughs> with one of their guitars. They are yeah. all, like, full-on thrash metal sort of things. Okay. But all the, all the guitars come in six, seven, and eight-string guys. <laughs> the basic pickup is... From what I can gather, it seems to be their take on the Seymour Duncan Invader. Okay. Um, the higher-end models feature genuine Seymour Duncan blackouts or EMGs. So, yeah. Now, I'm obviously, gonna... you, you know my opinion on the EMGs. I would not be going for that one yeah. in the slightest. I'd probably think twice about getting the, uh, the blackouts as well. Yeah. But, considering the... I'm not sure about the others, but the Ninja range actually starts at 350 US. I mean, um, it's it's actually not a bad price at all for what they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, they sort of, if you consider a, a mid-range Jackson, yeah, you know, you're looking at about what 570 quid for a mid-range Dinky. Uh, yeah, roughly that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and you're getting that quality. And a 350 quid guitar, or $350 guitar, should I say. Yeah. Now, the only thing is, I can't find a single distributor in the UK. Uh. They are available in the UK, but it's kind of similar to the situation with Chapman, where to really be able to try the guitar, you have to buy it, and then if you don't like it, you chuck it back to the distributor. Yeah. But where Chapman have got a slight edge is... As far as I know, they're still being handled by Anderton. So you yeah, have got away, yeah. somebody in the UK to deal with. With Legator, you have to buy direct from the, the manufacturer. Okay. Which is based in the US, so you've got all our three to four weeks for, for shipping. Yeah. And that's in both directions. Yeah, it's... Uh... Um, it's a difficult one if you if you get it and you just really don't bond with it at all. Yeah, I mean the, the the specs sound absolutely awesome, but like you say, it's it's that being it, you know being able to tell whether you can live with it or not. That's the difficult part. Yeah. But they have actually got um, a concept project lined up for 2018 that looked really interesting. Um. Now, as I say. You've you've got the basic Ninja series, yeah, which looks like the ESP Horizon, uh, or any other Arch Top Super Strat. <laughs> yeah, Arch other um, Arch Top Super Strats are available. <laughs> yeah, but um, well, they're actually doing a hybrid version where it's sort of half Ninja, half Ghost. Uh, which one was so, the Ghost again? Sorry, the Ghost was the headless. Okay. Now, this concept isn't headless. So you've still got the headstock, you've still got the tuners. Yeah. But you've also got the cutaway at the back end of the body with the tuners on the bridge. Yeah, they're like fine tuners then. Yeah, so it's, it's almost like having a static Floyd Rose system. Ooh. But it doesn't have any larger a footprint than a fixed bridge, Stratocaster-style bridge. Yeah. 
Um, I, I'm quite a fan of the, the Floyd Rose. So yeah. that, to me, is actually really interesting. And I tend to actually be quite ham-fisted. So normal <laughs> tuners are a little bit yeah. too sensitive for me um, when I'm trying to tune in. So whereas with something like the Floyd Rose system, you can get it close to pitch and then use the fine tuners to just nip it into place. Yeah, yeah. With standard tuners, I tend to sort of get very close to it and then suddenly I've gone a mile past it. <laughs> so so that idea actually interests me very much and it is actually quite a groovy shape as well. Yeah. If you imagine the old, um, oh, what was it, the Ibanez Voyager? You know, the one that uh, became the Red Beach? No, I don't know the Voyager at all. You don't remember that one? No. Um, it, it be, like I say, it became the Red Beach guitar in the 90s. Uh, late 80s, early 90s. He was the guitarist with Winger at the time. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was like a standard super strat shape. But it had, as well as having the Floyd Rose bridge, it had like a, a, a cutaway behind the bridge. Okay. So it, was, it was quite an interesting shape. It, it looked like somebody had taken a bite out of the back of it. Um. But it did actually look quite cool, and that's what this new Legator reminds me of slightly. Yeah. Um, whether it actually comes to fruition or not, I don't know, because they've only released artist renditions of it so far. I hope it does, because it does look really good. From what I can tell, um, they're not just metal as guitars. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard a demo where it was played... Uh, I think an, it was an, an opus that was played clean, and it it had some really nice jazzy voicings to it. But like I say, nobody seems to want to do anything in between. <laughs> you know, it's either clean or all-out metal. Um, but Legato seems to have the opinion that even though it's the metaler's guitar of choice, it should be capable of, of being used for absolutely everything which has always been my opinion with a guitar. You know, you don't just use it for one thing, you use it for everything. Yeah, it's a, it's a tool, isn't so it? So they, they seem to follow, yeah, they seem to follow that same ethic. It doesn't matter what style you play, that one guitar should be able to serve you for everything. But having the option of sort of six, seven or eight strings, and I think they actually do nine strings as well, um, it gives you all the tonal capabilities you could ever ask for. So it's a, it's a company to look out for, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Um, like I said, the, the, the only thing that might put some people off is the fact that you have to order direct from America. Yeah. Um, but they are certainly worth checking out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, we're going to move on to our questions because we've got a few for this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, Legata Guitars, I'm, I'm definitely going to check those out. We're going to put some uh, some links in the um, in the podcast group as well. So we got um, our question. Our first question is from uh, from Chris, uh, our, our longtime host. Um, he was talking about pickup magnets because um, this week um, he was uh, he was looking at his Reverend guitars um, and how they've got ceramic magnet pickups um, and talking about there's a, a little bit of a stigma um, with ceramic magnet pickups. Um, because they're often found in cheaper guitars. Um, So I thought maybe like a little bit of a discussion about our own personal, um, personal opinions on pickup magnets, um, our our choices and what we've found through the, um, through the years, just to help kind of steer Chris through some, uh, some pickup choices maybe, or, yeah, one of the things that Chris was mentioning was um, he said that um, ceramics have certain sort of high-end harmonic frequencies that he, he doesn't get through Alnico's. Mm. Um, but I think he was specifically referencing Alnico 5s. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't... Personally, I don't really get what he was referring to. Um but purely because I've not had the option of comparing myself. Yeah. Um, 
I can see what he's he's getting at, and like you say, there is a bit of a stigma surrounding uh, ceramic um, ceramic man, ceramic magneted pickups, um, and it's it's because they have been the mainstay of sort of such cheap guitars. Now everybody down to Encore uses them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you go and get a sixty quid starter guitar from I don't know Asda or wherever. Yeah. Um, they've got magnetic pickups in them. Well, the difference is, there's even in ceramic pickups, there's there's. I'm sure I just said if you get a cheap one, it's got magnetic pickups. <laughs> yeah. I meant I meant ceramic pickups. It's fine. I'll I'll uh, I'll edit in me just saying magnetic. Uh, sorry, ceramic over the top. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but. What people don't realise is that there there are different grades of ceramic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, that are used now. If you're actually curious enough to rip a a, a cheap ass pickup apart, what you'll look what you'll find when you when you actually get in there is what looks like a bunch of fridge magnets. Yeah. And what people don't realise is a fridge magnet is a ceramic magnet. Um, but it's actually made it's 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 made in like a big sheet, mm. and it's it's made with metallic granules in a a resin that's set into a big sheet, and then caught into the the size pieces that they need, um, and then it's magnetized in the same way a steel would be. But the the really cheap ceramics are literally only any good for use as a fridge magnet <laughs> as something to be put in a guitar pickup. They're absolute shite. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Not to put too fine a point on it. Um, but when you look at some of the high-end pickups, I mean, you, you start looking at um, pickups like the, um, well, I mentioned the Seymour Duncan Invaders earlier. Yeah. They are using ceramics, but they are high-quality um, yeah. CNC-manufactured ceramics. So they've got a much better... Um, I was going to say tonal spread. And that's, that is actually probably the right, the right term to use, is tonal spread. Yeah. But whereas a, a cheap magnetic, uh, cheap ceramic magnet, it's... Um, it's got the north and south poles, but its magnetic fields go all over the place. Yeah, um, there's no consistency in it. They're not magnetized equally, so you, you might have a really strong north pole with a weak-ass south pole. So certain harmonics ring out and others don't. In the main, they just sound crap. Um Whereas with the, the expensive ceramics, they are magnetized properly. They are designed properly. They are made properly. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get an equal magnetic field the whole way across the bar of the magnet. So it does give you the correct frequencies. Um, the thing with ceramics, is, as opposed to the likes of Alnico's, Yes, they probably do actually have a, a slightly different high-end signature to Alnico's because Alnico's tend to be warmer. I mean, first pickup to use an Alnico magnet was um, the Gibson PAF, um, mm. the original Settle Over designs. Um, ceramics in high-end pickups tend to be very harsh. They've got a very snappy attack, and they've they've got a very sort of grunty, hard sound to them. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You can get some some warmth from them, but they they do tend to be a, a, a fair bit harsher sounding than things like the uh, the Onico fives. Yeah. Um. But the other, even mentioning the Onicos. You're getting into a whole world of different quality Alnico's. Yeah, um, I, think, yeah. I mean, like you've got Alnico two, Alnico five, Alnico four, Alnico eight. 
Yeah, um, that, I mean they that that refers to the the um the mixture of each uh, each metal within the uh, within the compound, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's, I, think I think it's aluminium, nickel, and copper, isn't it? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds, it sounds <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you 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 touched upon it uh, perfectly there with the fact that I mean you can get you can get cheap quality uh, Alnico pickups that don't sound great, um, and you can get cheap quality ceramic pickups that don't sound great. It tends to be that ceramic um, ceramic magnets are uh, cheaper to produce um, in in quantity, as as you were saying. Um, so yeah. simply, just get used for um, for the cheaper um, cheaper alternatives. Um, but yeah, I mean, the... well, let's 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 look at both sides of the coin on the the, the subject of the cheap ceramics yeah a lot of it depends on where they're actually manufactured and who manufactures them um let's use two examples if you were a kid in the 1990s you couldn't afford even a squire because they started at 150 quid so you'd go out and you'd buy an encore Mm. and you'd wonder why it sounded utter shit (laughs) um and it, it was because they used cheap ceramic pickups yeah whereas if you go that extra um, I mean um, encores were usually about 80, 90 quid mm-hmm. if you could afford that extra 60 quid and get a squire it would sound infinitely better but here's the paradox they're using exactly the same magnets yeah the, uh, the squire yeah they, they still use um, ceramic magnets the, um... Oh, I've got ceramic magnets in my uh, showmaster. That mm. single coil neck pickup has such a gorgeous Texas blues quality to it. It does, yeah, yeah. And it, it you know, for a two hundred quid guitar, it shouldn't sound like it does. But to put that into perspective, the middle pickup does sound crap. <laughs> so it's it's that consistent the, quality. They're both made then. the same way. Yeah. So it, you know, they they can be a bit hit and miss, but. Like I say, depending on who's manufactured them, it does make a massive difference to how they actually sound. Yeah, I think even for the same sort of quality. Yeah, my my experience. Um, I mean, I've I've experienced cheap quality uh, ceramic magnets, uh, like completely through my entire guitar journey. Um, mm. I mean, I've, I've I had a a set in my, my first ever Squire Strat. And it didn't stop there. Um, the uh, Made in Mexico Stratocasters have ceramic magnets in their pickups. Mm-hmm. And they're not particularly great either, to be honest. Um, but I've experienced... Was well, that the Mexican Squires or... Yeah, no, the Me- Me- yeah Mexican Standard uh, Fenders. Um, but I had a, um, a Demasio no, Super Distortion. Um I had a Demasio Super Distortion bridge pickup, and I, um, for for a long time, I had it in an Epiphone Les Paul, and then later ported it to my Gibson Standard Les Paul. Um, yeah. And it was a great pickup. Um, it didn't quite have the characteristics that I uh, had grown to to enjoy, so I ended up getting rid of it because. Um, the ceramic magnets tend to be a higher higher rate put and this was I mean being a super distortion it, it drove everything really hard. Um and it almost had um an EQ like a active pickup. It had that kind right. of um compressed mid range, like upper mid spike, a little bit uh gated at the uh, in the base end and it just it was like really, really focused. Um, so it was it was great for hard rock and metal, um, but I, I moved away from that. So I ended up putting something with um, with uh, Alnico magnets in it to replace yeah. it. Yeah, actually, it's it's funny you mention that because all through my um, like you said, all through my playing career, um, well, since I started with electric guitars, anyway, yeah, 
My first two guitars had ceramic pickups in, mm. and they were utter crap. Which, considering the guitar was a three hundred and fifty quid Washburn, yeah, you know, you'd expect something a little bit more from it. But it didn't help that the body was made out of plywood either. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's not plywood; it's laminated. Yeah, it's plywood. Um, but yeah, it, it it didn't help that the body was made out of plywood because it, it just sucked all the the sustain out of it. Yeah. So you you add a plywood body to cheap ceramic pickups, and you hit that low E string, you get boom, and that is it. <laughs> you get in. It a, sounds like you're playing a fucking bass drum. Yeah, you're getting a dull dull fart rather than an, uh, a <laughs> roaring. Not even a fart. A fart's got more sustain. <laughs> um. <laughs> But then I I decided to move on to something more expensive and a little bit more out there, I'll be honest. And I went and bought myself a BC Ridge Warlock. Yep. And that had El Nico magnets in it, in the pickups. Um, They were based on the DiMarzio Super Distortion. Um, But they were BC Ridge's own build. Okay. And... They had exactly the same issue that you highlighted. Very focused, very tight, cut in the, the mid-range. So it's great for hard rock and metal, but, you know, nothing else really. Yeah. Um, and I, I sort of, when I got the, the Warlock, I was getting into bands like Korn and Metallica and Megadeth and whoever else, Slayer. And very quickly, within, so like a year... I was going back to my roots of, of blues and classic rock. Yeah, moving away and from that. Trying, yeah, trying to play Gary Moore and a, a BC Rich Warlock with <laughs> with super distortion style pickups just doesn't work. Yeah, it's, um, it's not got the right tone, has it? And no, I mean, it, I could have swapped the pickups, but at the time I was 18. Yeah. And I, when you're 18, you don't really want to start pissing about switching pickups out. You just want to buy a guitar that does what you want it to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I ended up, I lived with it for about eight years, I think. Yeah. And then I just I just got shot of it because I was getting absolutely sick of it, not sounding how I wanted it to. And I went and got my Squire Showmaster. Again, that had magnetic... Um, yeah, ceramic. that had ceramic pickups, and it sounded just infinitely for, better. Like I say, for two hundred quid, yeah, it was yeah. leaps and bounds ahead of the Warlock. Um, in the last year, I've ended up with two guitars that have now got all Nico uh, five humbuckers in them. Yeah, um, I've still I've still got the Showmaster, but a failed attempt at coil tapping the humbucker <laughs> led to me ending up scrapping that. Yeah, and getting um an iron gear. Rolling Mill, which yeah. is a non-eco five, and the the Green Sparkle Strat that uh, Guitar Geek did up for me. Um, he actually put the same pickups in that. So again, yeah. non-eco fives, and they just have that much more warmth and character to them. Yeah. Uh, considering I sort of go anywhere from blues to I don't know, Gary Moore style rock. Yeah. Through to hair metal. <laughs> yeah. It it does it all. Yeah, it's, it's got yeah, versatility. The, the, only, the only place where it sort of slightly falls short is when you try and do sort of thrash metal sounds. Yeah. But even then, it's not that bad. You, know, you, you could get away with it. Yeah. Which for a 25 quid pickup is actually a, it's, it's a big ask and it does it. I mean, the... the um. The Iron Gears have are just they just keep getting rave reviews. Um and I mean if if I didn't have um my uh, my man Fletch who who does my, yeah. my pickup winded on literally on my doorstep, I'd probably be kitting my guitars out with um with some iron gears. Um, I'll be completely honest. I when I first came across Iron Gears I, w- I was a bit skeptical because of the price point on them. Yeah, definitely. And it was kind of a case of, right, 25 quid for a high-output humbucker. That's, is it really going to sound any good? It's, yeah, it's, it's it's hard to believe, isn't it? The beauty of 
this day and age is YouTube. Yeah. And I I went through various YouTube reviews, um, both homemade ones and professionally done ones. Yeah. And in every case, I loved the sound of them, yeah, which the is why I got Andrews bought the um the the rolling mills in the uh, the strap. Well, I didn't. Mm. He he made it up as a surprise for me, but he'd actually asked me what yeah. pickups I thought were good value for money. So he he kind of cheekily asked me what what pickups I wanted in this guitar without me actually knowing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'm actually I'm so pleasantly surprised by them that I'll be um, when I've got the 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 money for it, I'll be considering swapping out my two hum, uh, two single coils on my Showmaster for uh, a pair of iron gears. Yeah. So I think. So uh, it's it's not always about the price. It's 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 the quality that's put into it. So, um, I think as a as a wrap up for the the pickup discussion, I mean, there's there's a ton of factors that um, that feature into it, but I mean, in terms of um, like the bias for certain um, pickups and saying, oh, Al Nico fives are the um, are the magnets you've got to have and 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 whatnot. Um, it's 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 not not um grounded in in fact it's it's more it's down to um like personal preference uh and the the magnets and the 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 wines and the design of the pickups give all all specific um kind of tonal shaping and eq shaping uh, and it's all down to what you really want to get out your pickup um, yeah, I mean, even looking at it as sort of cold hard facts and figures, it's a subject that can get to A level physics stage in about point five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> and then like like you say, you throw personal preference into it, and my god, you're suddenly in a minefield. Yeah, I think um, I think we we've managed to get pretty far into it just ourselves, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sorry for any of any of you like who don't like talking about the the most nerdy points of guitar, but um, <laughs> it's something that I mean I've I've experimented with pickups since pretty much uh, probably since I was about nineteen, and I'm definitely not nineteen anymore. Um, so it, <laughs> it's been some years. Um, we have got another uh, one, two, three questions, but I think we're gonna. We're going to leave it there for tonight. Um, and what we'll do is we'll save those questions for the next podcast. Um, so if you want to catch us on um, Facebook uh, and join in with the conversations and, and, and get some of this um, this content that we're sharing as well, uh, if you go on facebook.com, um, go, go on the group section and look for Fret Talk Podcast um, as a group. And that is where you can get direct contact to to pretty much all of us uh, who feature as hosts on this show, as well as some more um, more of our friends. Um, and like I say, we we tend to share some of the show notes um, and some of the interesting stories. And you might even get some uh, some news stories before they come up on the podcast as well, because we share them we share them there. Um, if we're if you're looking for your uh, your hosts on there. We'll we'll start with you this week, Paul. So how do we find you online? Um well if you want to look for me personally, I am on Instagram as showmaster seventy eight. Um cool. I don't really do that much on there though. Um on Facebook, obviously just Paul Mason. Um my band is on Facebook, uh, Don't Panic Blackpool. And they also have their own websites, uh, don'tpanic.co.uk and don'tpanic.com, because we've got both domains. Fantastic stuff. And you catch me, as always, on facebook.com slash budgetpedalchap, um, where there's been some updates this week. Um, 
I finally got my um my uh ESP telly the the two o two it's the TE two o two back which has got two <laughs> two standard telly neck pickups in the uh the neck um and I've done a done a little uh, gear tour rundown on that one uh so check that out um and Instagram dot com slash budget pedal chap for um my little budget pedal one minute reviews as well as just some general guitar musings um and very soon we're, we're going to be coming up with um some stuff in the um the fret talk youtube channel uh which is being headed up by our uh, uh one of our hosts chris wilson uh but you you're most likely going to see some content from all of us in there um so yeah definitely check those out um don't forget as well um if you want this uh, this podcast to gain a little bit of popularity, give us some reviews on iTunes. Make us rise up through those ranks so we can get the the listener numbers up. It would really really help us out. Um, so from uh, me, your host, Budget Pedal Chap, and from Paul, your host, that will be that will be us tonight. Then, hopefully, see you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye bye. Hello. Hello, <laughs> <Tiro>, please. <laughs>